KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. We wanted to talk about the Constitution. Kind of take a look at it. Look at how it holds up more than two centuries after it was written. Should changes be made? How hard are changes to make? And when actually was the last time we saw one? For this conversation, we caught up with John Lindros. He is a lecturer of business law and constitutional law at Cabrini University. So to start, just so we kind of know what we're dealing with, how hard is it to make any kind of change to the Constitution? Well, it's pretty hard. Uh, The Constitution can be amended by having each House of Congress, the House of Representatives and Senate, vote on a two-thirds basis for a proposed amendment to the Constitution. It then gets put out to the states, and three-quarters of the states have to ratify the proposed amendment. Uh, And that three-quarters number is basically 35 these days. Uh, There hasn't been an amendment to the Constitution adopted recently. Uh, There was one pending out there called the Equal Rights Amendment, uh, but it failed. So if you wanted to try to amend the Constitution uh, to add uh, a new or a different provision or to reverse it, uh, you've got your work cut out for you if you're the people bringing that forward. And you mentioned the Equal Rights Amendment, what was actually the last time the Constitution was changed? Was it early 70s, like 72, something like that? Well, it probably would have had to do uh, with changing the age for voting. I think those were the last amendments they put in. I don't know what the exact date is on that. We have a document that kind of dictates American society, and it's 250 years old. How do you feel it's holding up? as society has changed on multiple fronts by factors of infinity almost since it was the Constitution was first put pen to paper? I think it's holding up pretty well, but a lot of that would depend upon who you would ask. Uh, If you could break society into at least two groups, but if you could call one group progressives, and you could call another group conservatives. The conservatives tend to think the Constitution should not be interpreted in a way that changes what was the understanding of it at the time it was adopted and at the time any of the amendments were ratified. The progressives tend to believe in the idea of a living Constitution, and they are all in favor of discovering new rights of various types that they think can be inferred from provisions in the Constitution. So as we see with everything else that's going on in society, uh, there's a different answer to that depending on where you're coming from. To that point, I look at certain things, and I think the one that gets the most people talking and is constantly in the news is the Second Amendment. And are we doing ourselves a disservice looking at firearms and the Second Amendment through the lens of 1780s, 1790s, when it would be virtually impossible to fathom the type of weaponry that would be readily available. Um, Looking at that specifically, I I guess, are we doing ourselves a disservice by holding ourselves back from 250 years ago with regards to something like that? Well, once again, 
the answer to that in part depends on where you're coming from. There's a case out of Washington, D.C. that's not very long ago called Heller. And for many, many years, nobody really knew what the Second Amendment meant uh, or how it should be applied. And there were never any cases talking about it. Washington, D.C., which is not a state, uh, had adopted a lot of provisions that restricted the ability to own or in any way use firearms. And conservatives tried to attack that. Uh, and in, in Heller, they were successful because what the Supreme Court decided in Heller was that the Second Amendment provisions were individual provisions. They were not dependent upon the idea of a, uh, a militia or some other kind of organized group. And nobody ever really knew the answer to that. Since Heller was decided, there's been a lot of fighting over that because uh, there were certainly are restrictions on the ownership of and use of firearms in many places around the country. New York has restrictions that are very substantial, uh, whereas other states like Texas basically want anybody to be able to get a firearm and use it any way they want. So if you look at this, the progressives want substantial restrictions on the ownership and use of firearms, uh, and they probably like to see an amendment to the Constitution providing for that, whereas the conservatives focus on people like those who live in Texas don't agree with that at all. Uh, so it is a controversial issue. If you're in Philadelphia as a government uh, person, police, police commissioner, the mayor, you'd like to see a lot of things put in place that would restrict it because we've had, it's, I guess it's close to 450 people in Philadelphia shot and killed this year. They'd like to be able to restrict that down. Uh, and the various social programs they're trying to put in place aren't achieving that result. You've got similar outcomes in other big cities like Chicago. There have been an awful lot of people shot and killed out there. So it depends on who you ask on most of these things. And through most of the issues that are out there, you're going to continue to see this split between progressives who maybe wouldn't necessarily want a full amendment, but they'd like to have a, a, an interpretation consistent with what they think. If you look at Heller, the progressives would have liked the Supreme Court to say, that the right to bear arms is not an individual right, that it's a group right. And if you're in the state national guard or the police, you've got the right to bear arms in connection with that activity, but they didn't get that. So they might under certain circumstances, go back to the court and get the court to say that without a formal amendment to the constitution, but instead relying on a change in interpretation. And if you go out to the West, where lots of people have firearms and they use them to go hunting, uh, they don't want to hear about any reinterpretation like that. Uh, when I worked uh, in, in the oil and gas industry, when I go down to Texas, our petrochemical plants in Channel View, Texas, near Houston, had a sign on the gate where you went in. Ladies are requested to check their firearms at the gate because they assumed that most of the women who worked in the offices at the plant were walking around with a pistol. And they were right about a lot of them. So the people on either side of this question, conservative or progressive, have very strongly held views. You could come up with an interpretation that would restrict it. The court could overrule Heller and say that it's a group right. You only get it if you're in, say, the militia, the National Guard or something like that.
So it's a controversial issue. It's not top of the list that get, of what gets people most excited these days, though. I'm curious. We talk about the Second Amendment. We talk about the First Amendment. Are there amendments that don't get talked about, don't get mentioned, that you think people don't appreciate how important they are to American life and kind of the structure we've gotten used to? Well, yeah. I mean, if you go back to uh, the 50s, Brown versus Board of Education, next to Marbury versus Madison, which established the right of judicial review, is almost certainly the most important amendment that was ever adopted to the Constitution. It was a nine-nothing vote, and it overturned the doctrine of separate but equal that had been used uh, to justify segregation in public schools and a lot of other things. And we had a lot of fights after the 50, and in many ways, they still go on today, coming out of Brown versus Board of Education. But I don't think a lot of people think about that much anymore. Then you jump ahead into the 60s. You have a lot of cases that deal with other amendments, such as the 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th, that have to do with criminal matters and lead to cases like Miranda with the famous Miranda warnings. Well, a lot of those cases have gone away. We're not fighting about that stuff anymore. But the recognition of criminal, procedural, and substantive rights that come out of those cases that really start in the 60s uh, are very important today. Uh, we've also got the question of what comes out of the First Amendment with regard to prayer in schools. People are still fighting about that. They may not know exactly where that all came from. And then we switched over to what really are the biggest issues today, dealing with the right of privacy. If you think of the Constitution as a living document, uh, the progressives would applaud the discovery of a right of privacy in the Constitution, leading to uh, items related to contraception, that so-called Griswold v. Connecticut, leading to abortion uh, with Roe, uh, and leading to the recognition under the right of privacy uh, of people who want to get married but who are not traditional married couples. Those come out of this idea of privacy, uh, which the progressives are very supportive of, and many people don't really understand where that comes from. The conservatives are very much opposed to that. Justice Scalia, when he was still alive, said none of that stuff was in the Constitution. If you want to put it in there, propose an amendment to the Constitution, and we'll see if it gets adopted or not. So all of those things, if you go down the list of the, of the Bill of Rights, uh, you'll see that most of those constitutional amendments have relevance today and, and have impact on society. And many people don't really know where they come from. I've heard, and I had not so much now, but a few years ago, there seemed to be a lot of buzz, or I say a lot, a lot of buzz, but you would hear talk on cable news and stuff about the possibility of uh, a new constitutional convention to to look at everything. And I think it was Republicans were very close to uh, having control of the enough state legislatures to do something like that. Kind of talk about that concept. What would happen? Is it similar to an amendment? It would have to be like two thirds of the state legislatures say propose or request a constitutional convention. And then, you know, yeah. do we know how that would work if it ever came to that? Yeah, although the chances of it actually coming to that are are very, very small because both sides, the progressives and the conservatives, are scared to death of a constitutional convention 
because it puts everything in play. They could go back and rewrite the whole constitution from the beginning. All of the provisions that are in the Bill of Rights would be at risk potentially. They could go away. So nobody seriously thinks we're going to reconvene some kind of a constitutional convention. What they intend to do, if they can, if it works for them, is to adopt amendments to the Constitution. Uh, we've got 27 amendments in the Constitution right now. There could be others out there that could be proposed, but I don't think there's any chance that, that the Congress would go forward with the idea that we should have a constitutional convention, should convene representatives of all the state legislatures in, and start rewriting the Constitution from the beginning, because they're both terrified of it. Uh, they don't want to take a chance on what might come out of that, uh, depending on the votes. You've mentioned how many people control various state legislatures. That varies from election to election. Sometimes it's one way, sometimes it's the other. So I don't think we have any likelihood of finding a constitutional convention in the near future. Do you think we do a good enough job of teaching about the importance of the Constitution, what's in it and how it works? And I say that because you hear a lot of people invoke things, and I don't mean, you know, some random person on Twitter, but people that, you know, you would think should know better invoke parts of the constitution with regards to freedom of speech and stuff like that. Uh, that's just flatly wrong. I mean, do we do a good job of teaching that a good enough job? Well, probably not depending on whether you're a progressive or you're a conservative, both sides have differing views of what all these various provisions in the constitution mean or should mean. And this goes back to the, the concept living constitution. The progressives would like to see various provisions in the Constitution interpreted in ways that cause an expansion of rights that they think modern society needs. The conservatives, on the other hand, like Justice Scalia, say if it's not in the Constitution or the amendment is adopted, it's not there. And if you want to put a, a new idea in there, go ahead and propose an amendment to the Constitution and see what happens. So we don't do much of a, a way of trying to push forward these interpretations. The two sides are, are very much opposed. You can go down the list of all of the items in, in the, uh, the Bill of Rights, and you can look at other important amendments, uh, like the 14th Amendment, uh, which is relevant heavily with regard to uh, racial and social matters. Uh, but they're not going to change those things. So, And I don't think we do a good job of teaching about it. And I think most of the people who talk about it don't really understand what happened with those things. Overall, though, I would guess it is pretty remarkable. And we spent a lot of time talking about what various factions don't like and how to change and all. It is pretty amazing to have a society like ours, you know, that has, you know, lasted and had its challenges, but, you know, has survived and prospered uh, based on something written, you know, more than two centuries ago. Sure. Uh, that's absolutely amazing. And, and if you go back to the, you know, like where we've had controversial subjects, and I ran through kind of a list of them chronologically based on the amendments, uh, we've had disputes about them. Those disputes have oftentimes been brought to the attention of the Supreme Court. There's been a resolution not necessarily everyone agrees with how it came out, but then we've moved on. 
We're not getting a lot of criminal cases now anymore, but the right of privacy cases are, are very current right now as to what they mean and how they're applied. So society has managed to deal pretty well with those things without actually changing the wording of the Constitution very often at all. Given, you know, we talked about the last time it was changed, you know, early 70s, but given our polarization and uh, do you see anything ever changing in the next 10, 20, 30 years? I know things can change quickly, but uh, it would seem to me that would be a, a tough hill to climb. Well, a lot depends on votes. You got to count votes. As somebody once said, elections count. Uh, if you've got uh, Franklin Roosevelt's era, where he came into office and he had gigantic majorities in both the House and the Senate, a lot of things could be done then. When John Kennedy was assassinated and they had the next election in 1964, Lyndon Johnson might as well have been the king or the emperor of the United States because he had gigantic majorities in both the House and the Senate. If that situation kind of obtains again, well, a lot of things could be done in either direction, depending on how that came out. Right now, where we've got pretty much an even split in both houses, and we've had the occupancy of the White House yo-yo back and forth between the two parties, it's hard to see anybody getting enough headcount in order to push anything they like through, uh, unless we have a change in society and how it votes uh, so that you get a Johnson kind of situation or a Franklin Roosevelt kind of situation with a big majority in each house uh, and a strong executive in the office, it's hard to see much formal in the way of changes. So the various parties will push their positions and they'll try to get to the Supreme Court to rule their way on whether there's something like a right of privacy or, or whether there's not. Uh, and it will work its way up through litigation, not through political voting. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.